everybody. This is Sam Oster with Left of Liberal. Uh, today with me, I have Prince from the Democratic Party. Uh, a lot of people are looking for action, for something to do, for actual end goals after all of the protests this week. Is the Democratic Party actually the answer? I don't really know. But a lot of y'all don't even know about like Democratic Party nuances, resolutions committees, delegates, brokered convention. Uh, so Prince is here with us to talk about Democratic Party education. Uh, Prince, uh, can you introduce yourself and things that you've done with the party? Absolutely. So like Sam says, my name is Prince Winbush. Um, I currently serve uh, in multiple capacities for the Democratic Party, both locally at the state level and now nationally. Um, so I so we'll start locally and move our way up. Um, locally, I am a precinct chair for the Harris County Democratic Party for Precinct 108, right outside of the Houston city limits in Humble, Texas. Um, I serve at the state level um, on the state Democratic Executive Committee for Senate District 20, oh, excuse me, for Senate District 15, excuse me. Um, so that is, that it covers all of the North, Eastern, and Central uh, uh, Harris County areas. We always stay inside Harris County, don't go into Montgomery. Um, and just recently, as of last week, I was elected as a national delegate to serve Bernie Sanders um, from Senate District 15. So I am going to the Democratic National Convention, if we have one in person, um, to advocate for all of Bernie Sanders' policies and positions and make sure that we hold the Democratic Party uh, establishment accountable. Um, I am part of that Democratic Party establishment. I just want to be very clear. Um, but those are things that I've been doing recently with the party. Thank you, Prince. So uh, right now, as we're talking about education type stuff, a lot of people don't know what a precinct chair is or uh, how a precinct chair operates as basically like an atom of like grassroots organization for the Democratic Party. So could you talk uh, more about what a precinct chair is and their uh, responsibilities? Absolutely. So a precinct chair is the, so both parties have precinct chairs, both Democratic and Republican. Um, when you go to vote, you vote according to your precinct. Um, so like I said, mine is in Humble, Texas. I'm sure yours is um, in the Houston area. Um, so you will always be able to serve on what they call a county executive committee. Um, so that for the, for to put it in simple terms, that is the DNC as local as it can be. Um, that it, obviously it's not Democratic National, but for your Harris County Democratic Party, um, the CEC, the County Executive Committee, they are the ones who will be deciding um, how, the, how the party is run in Harris County, um, what direction the party takes in Harris County, any, anything like that, that is the controlling body of the Democratic Party locally. Um, you are elected, you can be appointed if you are um, somebody who's interested in getting involved in a year that is not a Democratic primary year, so any odd year, um, or if you just missed the primary and didn't sign up beforehand, you can be appointed if your seat is vacant. Um, otherwise, you would have to run for a seat if it is, uh, if there's somebody there already. Um, in terms of the work that you do, um, it really is up to you. So Democratic uh, precinct chairs are encouraged to go out, block walk their neighborhoods, to make sure that uh, where they live, people are informed. Um, so in the past, what I've been doing as a precinct chair is I go block walking every other week um, and I do phone banks to make sure that the people around me 
uh, are knowledgeable about the Democrats that are running on the ballot. So obviously during the primary, I was calling for um, Bernie Sanders as well as um, one of the congressional candidates who was running to unseat Dan Crenshaw in Texas too. Um, that's where I started, um, as well as uh, smaller like races like the Harris County, um, not constable race, what is it? Um, commissioner's race. Uh, I live in a, one of the two pre commissioner precincts that is still Republican and we're working on that. So um, it's just making sure that your area, the precinct chairs make sure that their area is covered because the Democratic Party cannot cover everywhere by themselves um, with their staff. So we have to make sure there are volunteers who are going out of their way to make sure that their neighborhoods, and it is very local to your neighborhood. A precinct is no more than two to 3,000 people. Um, and they are as big, I mean, they're as little as 500. So depending on the area that you live in, how rural or uh, urban it is, it'll be somewhere between two, 500 and two, 3,000 people. Nice. Um, and then how do you, as a precinct chair, how do you go about getting help to like cover the area? Do you have like friends that you work with to help cover the area? Do you lead a group in your area? How, how does that work? Because a precinct chair, even though it's only 2,000, 3,000 people, it's a volunteer position and people still have jobs. So like, how do you go about covering it? Absolutely. So me personally, I am a part of, I, I'm very involved in the Democratic Party, as you might be able to tell. Um, so I work with the Democratic Party. I ask for help. Um, like I said, I'm on that county executive committee. Everybody there is a precinct chair, except for like the chair and some of the other people. Um, they are working for the same exact cause as I am. So whenever I do need help, uh, um, I don't I don't always need help when I want to go on like my weekend block walks. But I mean, if somebody wants to help me out, all I have to do is ask. We have all sorts of face group, Facebook groups, as well as um, the Harris County Democratic Party precinct chairs page that we have going. And you just drop it in there and say, hey, I'm having a phone bank here, or I'm doing a block walk here, if anybody's interested. And usually you'll get at least one or two people who say they want to help. Um, in terms of um, help outside of that, we do have just walking groups. So campaigns get people really fired up, and they have volunteers who just, after the campaign ends, they don't know what to do. So we have a blue block walking group on Facebook. You guys can look them up. They are an excellent group that just has block walks every weekend. If you if that is something that you love to do, they do it every weekend in different parts of the city, uh, different parts of the county, excuse me, because they're not just in the city. We have to spend some focus on our suburbs too. Um, but yeah, there are lots of resources out there. There are people who are so interested in making sure that Texas turns blue that they'll go to different parts of the county, sometimes different parts of the state to, to help people out. So there are resources um, there. Nice. Thank you. And for those of you wanting to get involved, you don't have to jump straight into precinct chair. You can start off going into these block walks like Prince is talking about. You can start off phone banking just to kind of learn uh, more of the ins and outs of canvassing before you get into precinct chair work. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Um, and then like there's some of us that don't believe in electoral work and for those of us who are on that side of left of liberal uh definitely do mutual aid networking because we we need that <laughs> desperately mm -hmm. uh so that was the local area precinct chair work that you were talking about so next up uh as we go higher is the state mm -hmm. so what was your role with the state party again so 
um, the state party has what they call their executive committee. Um, it is made up of two individuals from every Senate district in the Texas, in the Texas, in Texas, excuse me. Um, so we have 31 Senate districts in Texas. Therefore, there are 62 statutory members of the SDEC. We are all elected both with a male and one female from every Senate district. So I currently serve as the committee man for Senate District 15. Um, and I have a counterpart, Adonica Fortier from Spring Branch on a different part of Houston, who serves with me. Um, every single district has one unless somebody steps down and they have to do a special election. Um, I, I was actually seated during a special election. I just won my re-election campaign recently uh, as well when I won the national delegate. So um, that is a, just another governing body of the state party. Um, so in addition to those 62 members who sit on the SDC as statutory members like myself who are from Senate districts, we also have representatives from Texas Democratic Women, um, LGBT Democrats, Black Democrats, Asian Democrats, Latino Democrats, Tejano Democrats, um, Texas Democrats with Disabilities, and Texas Young Democrats and Texas College Democrats. Uh, forgive me if I forget another caucus, I believe that's all of them. Um, but they all get two members as well. They are not statutory members, they still get to vote on everything. However, um, very specific votes that are like, what was the last? particular oh when we had to pass emergency rules for our uh virtual state convention because usually the language is very specific about us meeting in person obviously that is not an option during the uh, COVID-19 crisis so we had to pass emergency rules and when those emergency rules had to pass we had to have a quorum of statutory members instead of just the caucuses um and so sometimes we do require statutory members to be at quorum outside of just the the, the caucuses Okay, um, and for those who may not know, could you explain what a, a caucus is? Absolutely. So that is a group of people, um, a caucus is just a group of people with the interest. Um, so as I stated before, uh, African Americans have a caucus, Asian Americans, Latino, any group that you are interested in starting can make a, a caucus, uh, any interest that you have. So recently uh, I was at the Texas Democratic Party convention and there was a cannabis caucus. It was not the Texas Democratic Cannabis Caucus, it was just the Texas Cannabis Caucus because we wanted to have the conversation, especially now about what we're doing and the police brutality that we're facing, how taking arrest off the table for marijuana, excuse me, for cannabis, is just something that we have to do in terms of Texas and for our people's public safety, not just black people, but people in general. Um, I'm, I'm actually very proud of them because they went out of their way to say, this is not just about Democrats. This, this, what we're doing right now, what we're talking about right now, it's so important because there are, like I said, people dying. Dying, people are yeah. afraid of um, just interacting with the police because they are afraid of arrest and whatever else could happen from the interaction. So um, yeah, inter any interest group that you have, if you are interested in anything, um, let me know and I can either connect you or I can help you start it because uh, I want my party more representative. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, for those of you guys who are just now hearing about caucuses, it does represent a wide variety of interests, but I will have you guys know that includes pro-life caucuses and uh, school privatization caucuses. Uh, they may not call themselves that explicitly, but when you look at them and what they stand for and whatnot, that's what they do. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind as you explore more of the Democratic Party and the caucuses. 
Um, so, yeah. Um, I just want to make sure. Um, so, like I said before, when I said any caucus is open, um, the same way that we had to, um, there is there is pressure to push down the, we had a, in 2016, the pro-life caucus met. And uh, as you can imagine, a lot of us uh, uh, progressive people who showed up to the convention were a little confused. Um, what, what we really ended up happening is they explained to us that um, the same way that we are not going to push progressives out of the party, we're not going to push out conservatives. I was very disappointed because I just didn't think that was something that's been out of our party and we've been fighting for for such a long time. Um, but their rationale for it is we're not going to push anybody out of the party. Um, it doesn't feel like that all the time, but um, we just have to keep working. So soon we will be at a party where we can not have that kind of conversation in um, the Democratic Party, but that does require us to, excuse me, not us, that requires people to come forward and speak up against those things. So if we want to make sure that um, we don't have caucuses like that who are education reformers who are trying to um, push people out of the public education system into more of a charter school kind of thing. We have to make sure we're having those conversations with people so that they don't support that wrongly or without the information they need. If we want people to be um, pro-choice Democrats, we have to make sure that we're still talking to people who are pro-life to make sure that we can move them towards um, the correct side. I will say that I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I understand there's so much frustra frustration with this party. I, I am right there with most people. It is exhausting work to do some of this work in this party. Um, but I want you to know that it's not all for naught because things start locally and they'll move forward. Um, mm -hmm. It may not look like that. It may not feel like that because we don't always win the way that we want to. Uh, but I promise you that just in the four years that I've been involved, I've seen things change. Um, I've seen minds open. I've seen hearts open. Um, I want to make sure that anybody who knows they're getting into this work, they're not getting into easy work, mm -mm. but they are getting into work that will, that can bear fruit. I will say that it can bear fruit. That's good. Um, so also you were talking about um, delegate stuff. So you're currently at the state delegate. You just got elected to be a brand delegate. Um, could we take a moment to talk about state delegate and what that means before we move on to national? Absolutely. So a state delegate to the Texas Democrat to the Texas Democratic Party convention, your job will be to vote up and down any measure that comes up. So everything that we do with the Texas Democratic Party every two years, if they've done it either on the SDC where I serve or if they do it at the convention, everything that we do will end up being ratified. Um, by the delegates at our convention in the odd year. So we have one every odd year. So it doesn't matter. When Beto was uh, our Senate candidate, we had a convention. And right now when uh, Joe Biden is our presumptive nominee, we're having a convention. Um, the point of that is to look at everything that we've done in the party. So look at every resolution that the party has come up with, every rule change, every, um, every platform position that was discussed over the past two years and say, yes, we like that. No, we do not like that. And typically, we're able to have some debate and discussion. Um, however, we are having a virtual convention, um, so there will not be as much this time around. Um, what I am encouraging people to do is the things that they don't like, make sure they're voting them down and reading them, um, but then also coming to their SDC people, because everything that we're doing, um, we will still have to defend it. And I want to make sure that we're able to 
um, hear from our constituents and know if they like everything that they're saying, because some of these um, resolutions and things like that, they're from people who just don't see eye to eye on this. Um, there were there were rule changes this time around. I served on the rules committee. Um, there was people trying to, there was a gentleman in Harris County trying to um, make it a rule that no one who was associated with DSA, so not just DSA members, but if you were associated with DSA, that you could not get funding from the Democratic Party, you could not use Democratic Party resources, you would be basically, um, what is it called? Uh, exiled? Exiled from Democratic politics. Um, so that leaves out candidates, that leaves out um, volunteers like me who are DSA members as well as volunteers for the party. I would have been excluded from this. Um, they named a staff member on the Texas Democratic Party staff. And I don't know who that was. And when I tried to ask, they would not say their name. Uh, but like things like that. Where Is that the same resolution that called DSA members childish and thuggish? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and that is when I when we talk about grassroots, that's what I'm talking about. That came from an individual person that was not ratified by a group of Democrats. That was a single person who had um, an issue. And that's really what it kind of boiled down to in the rules committee. We looked at it. Um, it was shot down at both the level at the Harris County level and at the state level. Um, because honestly, that's not what our party is here for. Our party, like, we talk about the fact that we have a pro-life caucus and things like that in the Democratic Party. That is something that does not fit normally. But because we're Democrats and we try and leave the door open for people, that's why they're allowed to meet. You know, I, I, get, on the, I get on the Republican Party because they have an entire gay caucus that they will not allow to meet at their convention. That's true. So yeah. um, while I'm not the biggest fan of it, I do have to say, like, if these people are calling themselves Democrats, they're voting Democrats, they're putting their money where their mouth is, I want to make sure they have a space so that they can at least advocate for themselves, even if I don't agree with it. Because everything that is going on, they don't agree with everything that I say. So I don't want to push anybody out unless they're Republicans, unless they're <laughs> are not, uh, unless they are not a part of the party. Full faced Republicans. Yeah, um, unless they are com actually working against progressive causes, I don't want to push them out. Of, I mean, they are kind of working against progressive causes. Um, <laughs> I was about to but say, I, but. I don't know. I just, I, I'm only one person. I always fight it when I can. Yeah. Uh, um, I do have a question about like the voting at the convention. So I did go to the Texas convention when, uh, you know, Beto was running and the voting at the convention confused me because on the convention floor, um, you could hear the delegates saying no to a particular thing. And then the parliamentarian being like, oh, so that's a yes. Um, how does the voting like work? Because I, I went there just to watch and I was very disgruntled with what I saw. For those of you guys who want my recap, my take, I wrote an article called The Undemocratic Tactics of the Texas Democratic Party at the convention. Um, but like, how, how does the voting work? So typically at conventions, we do everything by voice vote. Um, when you're on the general session, there are just so many people, they don't typically do roll call votes. They can, um, that is obviously mm -hmm. very time consuming. It's very time consuming. Um, so when it comes to the votes, typically there's a vote, vote, vote by voice. And when they do that, the it is up to the opinion of the chair. Um, they work off of Robert's rules, the Texas Democratic Party rules, as well as the DNC rules, and they all kind of adhere to Robert's. Um, and in Roberts, it's always the opinion of the chair uh, that gets to make the decision on whether or not that vote is for or against. And mm -hmm. they get that final say. If someone calls for a, a vote, um, 
a vote where they ask everybody else, where they um, go down the line and say yes or no for each individual delegate, that would probably go down to city districts, where the city right. districts have to say yes or no, and then they have to report back. Um, but yes, they can't seem undemocratic because you have you can have a lot of people like just say yes or just say no in like their normal everyday voice, and then you have somebody from the opposite side come in and scream no, and you hear you like it's always questionable. I I do think that's one of the hardest things about the convention. Um, there are times when I, the chair just doesn't the chair just does whatever they it is in their opinion. Uh, they serve as the chair, so they they have that right. Um, but just like you said, it it doesn't always feel democratic. In the 2016 Democratic uh, State Convention, we actually had an issue about that. Um, there was a Bernie Sanders delegate who worked for a politician in Texas, and that politician had endorsed Hillary and worked with Hillary. And that Bernie Sanders delegate, because they worked for that person, had a picture with Hillary Clinton. Because of that picture with Hillary Clinton, the Bernie Sanders campaign came down and said, we're not going to seat this person at the Democratic National Convention if you send him. Like, right. if you send him, it's not going to credential him. He won't be able to get in. And all these Hillary delegates just kept saying, no, let him go, let him go. And it was disingenuous, like, because someone from the, from the Bernie campaign had come to the floor and said, I'm from the campaign. I'm telling you that I've talked to the people in Vermont. They're not going to give this man credentials to get into the DNC. So if you vote to send him, you will send him to spend his money to go to this convention, to buy the hotel room, to do all the things the delegates are supposed to do, and then he will not be able to go in. Um, and then it was a fight on the floor um, to which the chair ended up being called into question. So you can, in fact, call the chair's opinion into question. Um, that chair has the ability to say whether or not uh, he's going to acknowledge your, your challenge or whether or not... Um, if you have access to a microphone. Exactly. If you have access to a <laughs> microphone, um, you do have to get down to the floor. Um, yeah, we had just so many, so many issues. We're That's working. Crazy. I will say we are working with a very democratic party, a very different democratic party than we were even two years ago. Um, That's good. Just, yeah. So um, in previous years, we haven't had a democratic party that was well funded, um, and now we are working with a democratic party that has a staff of more than fifty people. I believe it might be even more than 75 people with rural organizers and constituency. Like it's just a very different operation. Now that they have a little bit of money. Um, all of their things are captioned. Like everything that we do on the Democratic Party convention is captioned so that we have uh, access for our people with disabilities. Um, they're just working with a lot more resources. And we, we saw the issues that happened before, just like you said. So we had the Disability Caucus on the third floor of the convention last year without an elevator. That's yeah. even just oversight, right? Exactly. Right, right. Um, and then just like you said, you can't get down the microphone if you're somebody who just isn't mobile like that. So I would assume this year that we were planning on having it where there were multiple different mics all over the place. And then there were also going to be people manning those mics that could take the microphone to people. Um, but the, obviously those are the best plays. Uh, best made plans of mice and men, but uh, we'll be all right. I think that the, I think that we're in terms of where we're going, um, just trying to be some more inclusive. They're definitely having a conversation they haven't had in years. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there are people like me on the, <laughs> on the uh, executive committee, we're gonna push them to make sure they keep these promises. Nice. Okay, so we talked about local, state, and now moving on to national. So how do you, how do you get, how do you become a Bernie delegate, first of all? And then once you're a Bernie delegate, what does that mean at national? Okay. 
So, um, the way that I became a Bernie delegate, and I'll only talk about this year uh, alone, um, I was a volunteer for the campaign. Um, I made sure to go to as many events and things as possible to make sure that uh, I was a visible person who was actually, people would know was active with the campaign. Uh, that's always best. You don't have to, you can always uh, do things on your own and make a case for yourself. Um, I decided that I was gonna run for to be a national delegate because I in the, at the time I believed that Bernie Sanders was going to be our nominee. Um, so I had signed up, he was the nominee for the most of the uh, primary. <laughs> uh, so I, I just think that um, I decided, when I decided I went and I signed up online. So it's really a simple process to sign up um, because we had the COVID crisis, we didn't have to do the, um, getting it signed by a notary public. We were just able to sign it ourselves and send it back to the Democratic Party um, saying it's, uh, you do have to sign an oath of affiliation um, when you do most things with the Democratic Party. So if you sign up to be a delegate, a national delegate for a Democratic Party um, candidate at the mm -hmm. national convention, you do in fact have to sign an oath of affiliation saying that you will vote for the nominee, the eventual, eventual nominee um, because you're coming as a national delegate, somebody who's representing the Democratic Party. Right. Uh, that is something that you sign on day one of trying to become a delegate. Um, after that, um, you have about, you have to wait until the primary is over because we assign delegates based off of how many votes a presidential candidate got in an individual Senate district. And then if it's really, if it's really that bad, uh, not that bad. If it's really that close, like they have to like count um, down to like the, I don't know, one or two delegates, they're going to do it down to precinct level. So how many people does the precinct get? Um, and so from there, I decided, after I decided I was gonna run, I started campaigning. So I found out that Bernie Sanders was gonna get three delegates from my Senate district. Um, so all, this, all the, um, races have to be gender balanced. So we had three Bernie Sanders delegates and three Joe Biden delegates because Joe Biden edged out Bernie Sanders in my Senate district by, I think, 3%. Um, that means that he was going to get to pick his third candidate and the third Bernie Sanders delegate would be the opposite gender of uh, Joe Biden's. So there was going to be one, one male, one female, and then a third person that is whatever opposite gender of the Joe Biden delegate. Um, my job was to go out have conversations, pick up the phone, call people in my city district and say, hey, I'm a Bernie Sanders uh, supporter. I've been doing all this work. Um, I really would appreciate your vote in the upcoming state Democratic Party um, convention where you're voting for national delegates to go serve as Bernie Sanders supporters at the national convention. Um, I called upwards of 500 people, um, sent email blast out multiple times to people who I'm sure uh, wish they could have unsubscribed, but I was giving them other information besides just vote for me. Um, so uh, just, it's just, it is a little, it's a miniature campaign. Uh, it gives right. you a little bit of uh, campaigning life. If you are running for something like this, um, it is 100% a elected office. Um, mm -hmm. It's a badge that I wear proudly from, and I will now be able to say that I uh, was a national delegate for Bernie Sanders both times. Um, so. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, first of all. And second of all, thank you for elaborating on that, the getting delicate positions, like having a mini campaign, because I really don't think people understand 
that getting a delegate position is not an easy thing. Like you have to put in the work like you really do. Um, so that's what makes the national convention that much more important. So with that said, you know, Bernie Sanders and other candidates have ended their campaigns, but you know, they can still get voted on and they can still get delegates at the national convention. Um, what would, what does that mean at the national convention? What is there a possibility for a brokered convention? Um, probably not. I don't know. But <laughs> what, what do those things mean for people who don't get it? Um, so a brokered convention is typically where someone does not cross the threshold of getting the nomination on one ballot. Um, for the Democratic Party nomination, you need exactly 1,991 delegates from across the United States to get the Democratic Party nomination. Um, last night, it appears that Joe Biden crossed the threshold with 900, uh, excuse me, 1,993 uh, pledged delegates. So uh, it does not look like we will be going into what would be an open or broker convention this time. Um, and you're right, with those people who, all the candidates who got delegates and dropped out, they will still get their delegates. The same way that, as of right now, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Mike Bloomberg have all dropped out. Um, we are still sending Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Mike Bloomberg delegates from Texas because they won those delegates. They can never be stripped away from you. Doesn't matter if the person, it doesn't, it almost doesn't even matter if that person drops dead. Uh, it's still because they've earned those delegates. They, people voted for them. They have to be represented um, at the mm -hmm. convention. Now, anyone can run for those, for those things. So it's not to say that uh, somebody who supports, somebody who supported um, a different candidate. So you could say you could have supported Elizabeth Warren in the primary, and then you could run to be a Mike Bloomberg or Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. It doesn't really matter who you voted for. Um, it just makes it a little bit harder to make that case to the people who need to vote for you to say, oh, well, I didn't vote for this person, but you know, um, I'm, I'm on their team now. Uh, that's why they have a little bit more vetting. There are people who are involved and they're able to say, hmm, I didn't, that's why I said I went out of my way to make sure that I volunteered for Bernie Sanders' campaign. His staff knew who I, who I was, other volunteers knew who I was. They didn't know that I was just somebody who hopped on the bandwagon and just tried to like um, co-opt his movement. So, mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of the broker convention, what would have happened if um, somebody had gotten, um, if somebody had prevented Joe Biden from passing anybody um, or the whole group had prevented Joe Biden from getting that 1,991 um, number of delegates, what would have happened is we would have called the roll for the first ballot and that first ballot is the only ballot where every delegate is pledged to someone, except for the superdelegates who, that's a different conversation. Um, so I'm going, I'm pledged to Bernie Sanders. If I went to the convention, I would have to, I have to vote for Bernie Sanders the first round. It does not matter whether or not um, I want to, I change my mind, whatever people do, that first round, you have to vote for the person you're pledged to. Every round after that, you are free to vote for whoever you want. Um, the campaign can ask you because you are a pledge delegate to continue staying with that delegate, or they can release you. Um, mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders released his delegates before um, we got to the end of the roll in 2016. So they got to Vermont. Bernie Sanders came to the mic and said, I'm releasing my delegates from um, being pledged to me, and I'd like to suspend the rules and just allow Hillary Clinton to take the nomination. That's what happened then. I 
have to be honest, and I believe that's what probably what Bernie Sanders is going to do again this time. Um, that does not dismiss them from um, fighting for his platform on the platform committees or any other committee that they serve on. That does just release them from having to vote, like having to be counted as votes for him in that first round so that it prevents, I believe the argument was that it, he didn't want it to, um, he didn't want it to go on any longer than it had to. He just wanted to get her the nomination and move forward. Right. That's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you brought up a good point about, um, about the delegates being there and then the committees and the platform. So uh, the platform committee, could you talk about how uh, like a delegate's role at the national convention outside of the presidential candidate? Okay, so um, people are what I believe is appointed to platform committees. I apologize, I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, But delegates are at least tasked with when they go to the national convention, whether or not you serve on a committee or not, um, you are going to be tasked with voting up or down all party business. The same way I talk about at the Texas Democratic Convention, everything that Texas Democratic Party does in the past two years, you have to vote it up or vote it down. The exact same thing happens at the Democratic National Convention. They have, instead of an SDEC where we have the State Democratic Executive Committee, the Democratic National Party has the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Um, a group of people from all 50 states and all the territories who come together and say, this is what Democrats from my area want. And they make a platform uh, and they make a platform and they make all sorts of other things. So uh, credential, there's a credentials committee, there's a platform committee, there's a rules and bylaws committee um, to make sure that we're all kind of playing on some somewhat of a similar field. Um, there's things that we can and cannot do in the Democratic Party. Um, when you go to that convention on the last day or second to last day of convention, you will get to vote up or down all party business. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember, but back in 2016, there was a conversation about the TPP. That mm-hmm. was one of the big things that uh, we were trying to get the Democratic Party nationally to, um, to reject. Um, and so all of us who are Bernie Sanders delegates got together. We made shirts that if they turned the lights off, they would see our shirts. Um, we had, we, we made it a concerted effort to try and push for that particular thing not to happen. Um, and that's kind of your, your role as a delegate. If there are things that you see, because you will get all the information that you need beforehand to read over, to look, and um, to make sure that it's something that is democratic, things that are going to push progressive issues forward. Um, so it's not like we're going in blind. Um, You just have to be able to know how to fight. Um, I encourage every single Democrat, get familiar with Robert's Rules of Order. Right. Uh, It does not matter if you plan on staying in the party forever or not. It is just a skill that is so good to have. It's so useful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so, because it is a tool that people will use, if you don't know it, to silence you. So you never want to be silenced in an arena like this. This is some place where you want to know your rights and know everything that you can do, every power that you have. So you need to, if you're going to be a delegate, you need to get familiar with Robert's Rules of Order. Um, if you're involved with the Democratic Party in almost any level, um, I encourage that. I'm going to start having, um, in Senate District 15, we're going to have meetings where you're just learning about Robert's Rules of Order because it's just that useful. Um, so yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about local, we talked about state, we talked about national. Um, 
with the national point, um, before we like leave and do like a general overview of our conversation, um, the, the reason like the delegates and everything still so important at the national committee is, I'm um, at the national party is because they are working on the platform changes to hold uh, establishment corporate Democrats accountable and make the platform more progressive. Um, Cause uh, you were saying this a little bit earlier um, Prince, I think it was before we uh, started the interview about how Joe Biden doesn't actually have the Democratic Party platform. Like he doesn't stand behind it. Yep. Um, so if we were like able to strengthen the Democratic Party platform and actually hold people accountable to represent and uphold the Democratic Party platform. Um, but I, with that said, though, like, even with the weak, uh, not very progressive party platform that we have now, and we have someone who's not representing it, how do we expect other candidates to represent the party platform, even if it is further to the left? Got You have to ask people to run. You have to ask That's people to run. Job, as part of my job um, as on the executive committee. Um, is finding candidates who I believe exemplify democratic um, values. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is upon all of us, but as somebody who serves in leadership, democratic leadership, um, I definitely look for people who are, um, who just exemplify the things that we're talking about. Um, people will run for all sorts of reasons um, because they want to, because they were told to, because they just have the money to do it. Um, it is incumbent upon all of us who are genuinely committed to getting these progressive values to asking people. Um, I have found that in Houston, Houston has a plethora of women who would be amazing at running for office. The issue is that they never want to. Right. Uh, you have to, in, in general, you have to ask women to run about seven times before you get a yes. And it is, it's so imperative. It's not upon women to save us, but oh my God, um, we've just been dealing with so many so many men <laughs> in, areas where, in areas where so we were talking about earlier, we have pro-choice things like that. We need to have women in the conversation to really shut that down because mm -hmm. I can say my piece, but really at the end of the day, my opinion on abortion means nothing. Like I need, like we need strong leadership and I would love to see um, women come and take this party for what they, what they should. Like uh, we can't win elections without women. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've run candidates who are not great on women's issues, and then we see exactly what happens. Um, so it's important for me to find candidates who believe in things that we're talking about, are able to bring a voice to the table that is not often at the table. Um, and when you come, when we talk about like national party, the national party has an effect on us, yes. That is who tends to get the people the most excited, our national Democrats, our senators, our president, those are the people who get people excited. However, the people who touch our lives every day are the local Democrats. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, whether or not they do always do a great job, I'm not gonna go into uh, some of the local Democrats and the jobs that they do. But when you get good ones, when you get ones like Lena Hidalgo, uh, mm -hmm. when you get um, progressives in office, in any office that has a mordicum of, uh, of importance. You see the change in the office. You see the change in that area because they start advocating instead of just showing up for a job. Right. Um, 
I think that we've had a there's lot a of- There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a big difference. Um, and so while looking at the National Party is not always, um, not always the easiest when it comes to being a Democrat and looking at what you see and see, is that what I believe? You can almost always find local representation who is pushing. So for somebody like me, I hope that uh, some of these people who are running locally think about moving forward. Think about a state house race. Think about a state senate race. Think about something at the county level instead of something locally. Like, because other people, especially Republicans, are able to build their bench. They're able to find people and start putting them in the pipeline of leadership. Democrats don't do that as well. And I would love for them to start. Um, because we are fully aware, there's no hiding the fact that now there is a progressive wing, a good third or more of the party that is progressive and wants real change. And there are others who want incremental change. The issue is you still need the people who want that big change to get out and vote. So you need to start promising it um, and making sure that every election, I understand that we were talking about like everybody's not into electoral work. so I won't say that. I won't say you just have to go out and vote. I will say get involved in some sort of way. So if there's a candidate um, who is doing work and you just don't want to be involved in that type of work, they are almost always working with community groups mm-hmm. to, to strengthen not just their numbers, but to strengthen that that group. Uh, I live in Humble. I've had all sorts of candidates come up and explain, well, we need to do this in this area because um, it's just the area that's often ignored when we, come, when we talk about democratic politics. People out here kind of on their own. Um, and giving us those resources, we're able to like reach more people if you come and speak to us. Because you know, you're gonna have people who like a candidate and may not like the Democratic Party, or we have people who like the Democratic Party and may not like a candidate. We all have to come together. Like all of those people who are stakeholders and making sure that we have real progressive change in our area have to come together. So it um, doesn't matter where you're coming from, if you're coming from mutual aid, if you're coming from a community group, if you're coming from a homeowners association, you just want your area to be better in general and better representation. It does not matter what, where you're coming from. Um, it, it, it just matters that you want to make things better and we can do that all together. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I have one more question. So in an ideal, well, it's not one, it's not my last question but it's one more pertaining to all this. Um, In an ideal world, you know, we have the party platform. Um, I imagine the national party platform, the state party platform, and the county party platform are slightly different based off locale, right? Um, In an ideal world, are democratic parties supposed to use their party platform to hold elected Democrats accountable yes yes that is what that that is that is the purpose of that platform Uh, the platform serves as this is who we are as democrats this is what we fight for as democrats um that along with resolutions um the resolutions to stick to certain things um that is what the platform and the resolutions are for to say this is what democrats fight for um if you're a candidate you should be adhering to those things Okay. For those of you listening who are like wondering why I bring that up and why I say ideal world, it's because we're not currently doing that. Um, There's a lot of things our local Democrats, such as Sylvester Turner, are doing that do not uphold the Democratic Party platform. And 
it hasn't been taken accountable. Um, it's the same thing at the state and the national, but I just wanted to make sure I had that correct before I started swinging um, because I don't, I'm trying not to be angry as much as I used to be. Um, <laughs> um, so is there, this is officially the last question. Is there anything that you wish we would have touched on? Any last words, uh, any last sentiments before we um, wrap up? Um, I will say, um, because I'm on the left of liberal podcast, I know that the Democratic Party is frustrating. I'm fully aware. Um, it is why I stick in this. Um, I, I have to do community work to make myself feel better about all the time that I spent with the Democratic Party. Um, but I can't, well, I can't. I can't, in fact, complain about the Democratic Party and all the things that it does wrong. But if I'm not trying to fix it, I feel as though it's disingenuous for me as a Black man to sit and critique something that I'm almost always going to vote for. Um, I, I live in suburban Harris County, so we don't even often have anybody else uh, on our ballot besides Democrat and Republican. Um, and I want to make the structure that I have a little bit of control in better. Um, that's why I ask people to run. That is why I go to these community groups and I ask for them, what can we do? What are we doing in this area so that we can move forward? Because um, we just don't have enough representation. We don't have enough people who who are gonna change that party from inside of it. And I know that that's not, uh, no, that's not everybody's forte, but I, I need as much help as we can get. I mean, I need as much help. Everybody else who's progressive needs as much help because this party will not change on its own. It, it simply won't. Um, there are enough stakeholders who have been involved or um, have the money to like not care about progressive issues. So the only way that I, I get the support that I need is when I have to go out and find it. Um, if you come into this sphere, um, it's not always popular, like, to fight the things that you see that are going on and that are wrong. Um, but it's so important because if, here, if, if some of these Democratic parties had it their own way, they might not speak up on the police brutality that's going on. You know what I mean? Um, you have to push that because sometimes people don't know, sometimes people don't care but it's our responsibility, right? Um, I, work for the I, I work for the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party gets so much support from Black people, but so often does not speak on the issues that Black people face. Um, they reap the benefits of the Black vote, they reap the benefits of Black support, and they just don't speak up for them. So I go out of my way to make sure that every time there's something going on, I'm on somebody's ass to speak up. Um, I need as many people with behind me, I need as many people on my side helping me because I can't speak for the Democratic Party nationally, but the Harris County Democratic Party can move forward. The Texas Democratic Party can move forward. It does take work. Everyone who shows up, we have gotten progressives elected all over the state because people showed up for them. Um, the electeds who are there are now, well, they haven't been seated yet, but um, this next term on the SDC, we will have a younger, more left, SDC than probably in history. 53% of the people who are on the SDC, uh, say Democratic Executive Committee, are now gone. We have 53% new, brand new people. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to have a whole new Democratic Party. Um, 
if any, I will say, I, I don't know if Sam's going to put my information out, but I really do want to talk to anybody who's interested in this kind of work because it takes all of us. It takes all hands on deck. It takes people who are passionate, people who want something. You know what I mean? Um, I know Sam was talking about being upset. I can't tell you how upset I was. In 2016, when Hillary took the nomination, I am upset now that Joe Biden has gotten it. Um, I'm still a Democrat. I just, I have to say that. Um, but I am, I look at the way that my Democratic Party is going and I really do wonder if this is a Democratic Party that will be able to sustain itself in the future. And if it cannot, then what is left for me? I can't go to the Republican Party because th those are not listening ears. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, though Democrats are not always listening ears either. I'm fully aware of that. I just want to make sure that this is the apparatus that I have a little bit of control over. I, I as well as many others, are going to be able to make as much noise and be a little bit more heard here. And if that's, um, if that's something that you're interested in, please join me in this fight. Um, How can um, folks reach you? What are like some places that they could reach you or link up or? Um, so I am on Facebook as Prince E. Winbush. Um, um, my I'll phone, tag you. I was going to say, yeah, my phone number, I'm happy to give it out. It's 773 nine six two seven seven nine four my email is p winbush w-i-n-b-u-s-h 93 at gmail.com um this is the work that i'm passionate about this is the work that i i i have a five-year-old who i wonder what kind of world would he be living in in five ten years uh, and most of us have family like that or somebody who we care about and we just don't know where things are gonna go and so this is this is my fight i can't say this everyone's fight uh, I've decided that this is the fight that I, I can be heard in. Um, if you want to join me in this fight, please, please contact me any way you want to contact Sam. She can get in contact with me. I, I couldn't be more passionate about this. You guys. Um, and I appreciate Sam just even giving me a little bit of time to talk to you about it. Um, hopefully you think it's a little bit less of uh, a joke. Um, <laughs> cause I definitely understand. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's representative at all sometimes, but there are people here on the ground trying to make this thing better um, and they need your support. I mean, your support can go to a lot of different places, but uh, I ask for it. I genuinely ask for your support. Well, thank you, Prince. Um, so this is uh, Sam Oser with Left of Liberal. This full interview will be on facebook.com slash Sam the Mullet. So if you're listening on All Real Radio and you're like, damn, I missed it. Uh, it's on facebook.com slash Sam the Mullet. I will be tagging Prince um, and I will be timestamping the video to make it easy to go through. Um, so thank you so much Prince for joining me and um, good luck with everything. <laughs> thank you.